Welcome to The Alignment Show, featuring conversations with folks who have taken steps to identify their highest values and align their lives around them. Time on this earth is not unlimited, and you may be seeking to make sure you spend your time on things that matter to you. These conversations will encourage you and support you in doing so. Now, let's meet this week's guest on The Alignment Show. And a good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to this week's edition of The Alignment Show. My name is Don King. I'm your host, and I'm glad to welcome you here today. As we're getting started, I want to remind you that my next book is coming out later this month. Medium Well is the follow-up to The Way of the Three-Year-Old Why, those of you who are familiar with it. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, Medium Well stands on its own. I think you will be uh, fine with that. It is a business parable, uh, a story about a young lady who finds that she has abilities for communication that causes some problems in some ways and how she learns to accept herself and to believe in herself. The subtitle is The Journey from Believing to Believing In, and I believe that it will be useful to you in your journey. So if you would like to see the first scene for that, you can go to donking.com, that's D-O-N-N-K-I-N-G.com slash medium well first. That's sort of like cheese samples at Kroger. You know, you can see whether you like the writing style or not. No obligation but that will enable you to check that out. So we hope that you will enjoy Medium Well and its predecessor, The Way of the Three-Year-Old Wine. So without further ado, although I hate that phrase, I haven't come up with a better one, I would like to introduce you to this week's guest. I'm just getting to know him myself. And as I was looking over his bio, I commented in the setup for this episode that I'm not quite sure how to introduce him. There's so much there. He's done so many things. In fact, one of the things I've got to ask in looking at uh, living your values and value your life, uh, how in the world Matthew has managed to do this? Matthew Brackett, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit from his bio. He's the 10th of 13 children. Born in a small town in New England, I grew up in a small town in West Tennessee, so I know that a lot of us never leave that small town. Despite that, he has enjoyed broad international and intercultural experience, uh, working in Italy, Ireland, England, Colombia, Chile, and Mexico. He's been a staff officer and a chaplain in the United States Navy. He has um, conducted conferences and workshops, cared for thousands, uh, candid, engaging, knowledgeable, professional, certified coach, certified speaker of the John Maxwell Leadership Team. Oh, my goodness, at least three degrees there that I can see. Let's learn how in the world this came about and bring on stage Matthew Brackett. Matthew, thank <laughs> you for being with me. And I can see you smiling there as I was doing that intro. Thank you, Don. Yeah, you make it. <laughs> you make it fun. So, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity to be on this show. Absolutely. In fact, I have to wonder as you listen to those intros or look over all that you've done, do you ever look at it and say, "Wow"? I mean, do you get that sense from from your own experience? Does that make sense? It does. I'm not sure if this would be common for other people, but I think you know, though we all live inside of ourselves, and so. We look back, and yes, it's like, oh, wow, look where I've made it. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Look what I've made it through. 
and everything that has helped me become. By the same time, we I think all of us are, are faced with the normal challenges of every day, which hopefully, at least in my case, is very grounding. Yes. I think that's so important. And hopefully for all people that they're able to always stay connected to reality and to stay grounded. And, you know, we're, we're, we have limitations as human beings. Mm-hmm. And so, and we we realize those, we face those every day. And so I think that's, that keeps us, always gives us a dose of reality, living in the truth. So that's, I mean, that, that's, those are some thoughts that come to me as you, as you mentioned it. So as I look back, I am, it's, it's quite the story, but it, it's like anyone, it wasn't an easy story. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. Well, and it's, it's from that place that you are in a place now to be able to help other people and have been doing for some time. Let's, uh, uh, as I mentioned in an email to you, you, we like to dig into origin stories a bit. And so yes. uh, nothing, I've got to be, I guess, careful how I say this. Um, <laughs> there's no shame in never leaving the hometown. Uh, right. You know, no, so no, I, no. I don't want to put that down at all, but you did not do that. You know, what, uh, how big was the small town in New England? There was uh, 3,000 people. Okay. Yours is smaller than mine. Mine was right. about 8,000. Right. There you go. Uh, uh, the farming community was mine. Yours with 3,000, probably a rural community. What, uh, what led you to, go somewhere else instead of just settling down there like a lot of people do. Right. It's so interesting. I think I have a restless heart. I would mm-hmm. say that first and foremost. And I, I continue to experience that until, to the day, you know, to today, which is interesting. But I do want to say, you know, to your point is there's no shame in not leaving. I mean, for thousands, thousands of years, human beings, they didn't leave their little town. That was the way things now with, in the modern times, there's a lot more possibilities to, True. you know, and so, so I think there's two, there was two dynamics in my decisions. One was I sort of wanted to leave small town New England to, to explore. And part of that exploring was I also wanted to find myself in the process or, you know, find my own identity. Um, so get away from those people that knew me and to start something different. So that was sort of what pushed me out of it. And then there was, some, there was something that pulled me, which is I wanted to do something impactful. I want something meaningful in the world, in time and eternity. I wanted to make a difference. That's sort of how we grew up. We we're educated to be that, to do something heroic, something impactful, something meaningful. And, and so that's, I, that's something pulled me in that direction. So that's why I went to seminary. And then that led to being receiving ordination as a Catholic priest. And that brought me to a lot of different countries. There's different types of living ministry. And the organization that I was part of, it it brought me around to, I was, it gave me a lot of possibilities to minister in different cultures and different continents, different countries, and in different languages, which was so fascinating. And in ministry, you, you, I was allowed to, to really walk on the sacred ground of people's lives, thousands mm-hmm. of lives. Mm-hmm. And, and that has helped to make me who I am today. And hopefully yeah. that also benefited many people. But it also, you know, I grew so much in the process and learned so much in the process. But I also said, as I said, and I know you might have some questions, but as I, I went on that journey to find myself, but I also lost myself in the process. Mm-hmm. So say a little more what you mean by <laughs> I lost myself. Well, I think identity is really big for us as, as human beings. So important. And I think sometimes, well, not sometimes, a lot of, we look for identity outside of us. And so I think 
in an honest way, I, you know, I became, I went into ministry, I became a priest, and it was very meaningful. But at the same time, I think living that identity, I had to be the priest, I had to be, you know, what they call him father, I had to be this, I had to be that, I had leadership roles. And I think I latched on to those. And those identified me and lost connection with who I am and who I was. And that little by little, when we do that over a long period of time, I think at some point it comes back to, to bite us in some way. And I think this happens in many areas of life. And I think this happens a lot to us as men, as males. And I think more in today's world when, when the females, you know, in the, in, where women have so many more opportunities, it's also it can also happen to women. Mm-hmm. Where we, we get caught up in identity, the identity puts a lot of pressure on us. It can lead to disconnecting from ourselves. And, and then what can happen is when we have a crisis of identity or a crisis in that specific job or in professional life or let go from a job or, or we retire, then all of a sudden a lot of people are left sort of grappling with who am I? Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like we're talking about almost trying to live up to what we think somebody else thinks we should be. Yes, definitely. Being part of an organization and, and, and stepping into those very key roles, which have a, such a strong identity. It is. And then there's a lot of expectations, social expectations around that. But mm-hmm. then one creates their own expectations as well. You know, I, I have well, yeah, yeah. who I want to become and who I want to be. And then there's also, then there's the reality of living who I am every day. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And I think serving people in the service industry, you know, we so much care and serving for others. I didn't really know how to, in that disconnect from myself, I didn't know how to care for myself properly. I wasn't totally connected with myself on an emotional level. And so sometimes I just didn't know to do what to do with a lot of things that happened to me. Thank you. I'm thinking um, this related to the Johari's window, which I know you're familiar with, um, but it's, it's another level there. It's not even so much I'm trying to live up to what other people expect, but I'm trying to live up to what I think other people expect. Yes. And that gets to be really stressful. <laughs> yes. So, so what have you discovered about how you identify who you really are? I know that's a deep question. We could go on for a while with that, but it seems like to me that's that's sort of where you have come to almost an enlightenment. Uh, and for whatever uh, difference it makes, again, as we're getting to know each other, I also pastor in uh, the United Methodist Church. Right. So, you know, I, I, I know a, a little bit about what you're talking about in serving others. And, and that sure. Sort of thing. All right. So I think... <laughs> That is a very profound question. There's a, f- a few things that come to mind when you ask that. And I think I had a, there was a certain luxury that I had yeah, amidst my challenges is that I had the ability to take a time out, to raise the white flag, to go on what I call a sabbatical year, what I call a journey of coming home to myself. But let me also, I, just, I want to clarify something. I think our identity knowing ourselves it's a lifelong journey hmm. it's a lifelong and i i think people sometimes forget this you know there's a lot of talk with the buzzword around authenticity you know authenticity is a journey 
knowing ourselves is a journey. As we, you know, if I look at myself today and I look at myself five years ago, sure, I'm the same person, but I'm also very different. Yeah. You know, and so it's, we, we, it's never static. I think that life is very dynamic and knowing ourselves and discovering ourselves. So going back to what I was saying, I had the ability to take time. So, you know, I went into, I checked myself into a clinic for, for four months because I was dealing with a lot of mental, emotional health and this whole identity crisis. Now, people, people generally can't do that. They generally don't have, you know, it's, they have other commitments. I had that luxury. So to your question is, I say the, the, the basic points would be in amidst our lifestyle and our commitments and our responsibilities to find ways to, to get away whether that be a few minutes during the day, whether that be a day or, or a retreat, something that helps me to look at myself in the mirror, to discover myself. And sometimes it's reading, sometimes it's retreats, it's meditation, it's, um, it can be a, thera a therapeutic journey, it can be a coaching journey, something that helps me to, to look at myself and to begin to name things about myself, to take ownership of things about myself. And not in a judgmental way, but I think the more... This increases self-awareness. The more self-aware we are, the more ownership we take of our lives, the healthier our lives will be and the healthier our relationships will be. Now, it's not easy to do because a lot of us have a hard time looking at ourselves in the mirror. You know, we might always say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm all about authenticity and, and, you know, knowing myself. But there's also something in us as human beings where we, you know, defense mechanisms where we... We like to put things into the closet. We like to put things into the shadows, brush them under the carpet. There's certain things that we don't like to face about ourselves. And we don't like to take ownership of them. And so part of that journey is just, is just really naming things, taking ownership of things, and really dealing dealing with them and not letting them deal with us in a very subtle, unconscious way. Mm -hmm. Okay, this makes a lot of sense. I, I, you know, going to the to the origin story again just a little bit how old were you when you left the hometown in new england i when, was 18 18 okay um so going to college and then to seminary uh catholic priest uh u.s navy as a chaplain at, at, at what how old were you when you took that sabbatical i was 44. Okay. So, and as you say, this is a process. It's ongoing. I know you're not finished yet. None of us are. Right. <laughs> but you were able to take an extended period there and excellent advice about if you can't do that, then a few minutes a day to take that, that step back. Um, was that did that sabbatical lead you and i'm making an assumption here lead you to leave the priesthood to do something else is that where that happened or was there some other path there no that was that was part of it that was part of the journey this is something that was simmering for a long time and i didn't i didn't know what to do with it and so i didn't deal with it for like that because yeah, I, yeah. I was i was afraid to i didn't you know it put the challenge my whole life and all my 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 structure major you know, change right major. you know even my belief system it, it challenged everything and and so there were a lot of things that i just uh, i don't want to put this into question but thing uh, over over a period of years then i just i finally said well 
yeah, I kind of looked at everything and I said, well, maybe I really have to consider if this is the right place for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had resisted that for a long time because I, for a lot of reasons, which I think are, are understandable. Absolutely, yeah. I, it's it's very human, I think, to not want to confront that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. in a way, that's what I'm probing at this point. I, I can, um, I, I saw in my own mother, for example, she would not get a, a, a medical test, a particular medical test, because she was afraid to find out the results. My- uh, she, she would rather not know than in the knowing, I guess, have to do something about it. That's very- you, you faced a not uh, a knowing. There was some resistance. I think a lot of us have the ability to shove that kind of thing under the rug. So what I'm probing at this point is how were you able to face that fear and make the change anyway when so many people would just simply... Ignore it's not the right word, but, you know, it's an itch that you just don't scratch. Right. <laughs> I think life, well, life forced me in sort of into a corner where I had to face it. Mm-hmm. And so that was helpful. And I think and there's something that I talk about in my story around befriending pain. Mm. So whatever mm. it is, there was during a lot of years, I was experiencing a lot of internal pain. And I resisted it. I fought it. I rejected it. I didn't want to befriend it. And a moment came where I took pain by the hand and pain smiled at me and, and said, I, I want to, I'm your friend. I want to teach you about yourself and about life and even about God and about the divine and about the transcendent. And I'm not your enemy. And so taking pain by the hand and befriending pain was uh, was a journey then to life and to resurrection. Yeah, yeah. Profound. profound. It, it, it reminds me in a way, old dead Greek guy named Epictetus, who said, of course, he said it in Greek, so this is a very loose translation. It's not what happens to you, but what you think about what happens to you that determines your experience. Mm-hmm. That whole shift of befriending pain that is a real insight there it is and it sounds nice to say but it's very very hard to do i I don't want to underestimate and that's something that i continue it's always a journey i'm still on that journey Mm. because it's hard for us our in our brain resists pain we don't like you know and i'm Mm. talking about this internal pain discomfort when we're challenged so that was i suppose that was the, the the moment that led me to that and said well i need to deal with this so, but so I was forced by certain circumstances into this corner where I have to I had to deal with it so I could no longer rush it under the carpet or put it into a closet mm. hope it would go away and so I that was a that was a great gift although it did I didn't experience it as a gift in that in that moment uh, yes I could I could certainly see that uh, there's there's a frequent I'm, I'm going to have to track down the origin of this phrase I attribute it to Maya Angelou but I'm not sure that I've got it accurate. Uh, whoever it was said, God does not waste pain. It is not the, not the, in my mind, theologically misplaced idea that uh, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, you know, but that the things that happen to us, God is there with us. And if we're able to, we can almost transmute it into something useful. Yes. 
And that's the beauty, I think, for lack of a better word, of the human person and the power yeah. of the human person. Yes, a lot of tragic things can happen to us. But it's, and it's very, it's easy to say, not easy to do. How yeah. do I, how do I deal with this in a way that, where I can leverage it for good? Even the most difficult things, it's, it's a mindset, it's not easy to do, it requires a lot of strength. It's very easy to live as a victim of any type of situation. And I'm, I'm not underestimating the what victimhood is like, you know, what people go through. But there also comes a moment when a victimhood can, can be a somewhat of a comfortable place to, to stay because, because we can continue to blame situations or people or other things. Mm -hmm. and, but I think the power of the human person is that we can take ownership of things and we can, and we can leverage it for good. And whenever we look at, you know, when we watch movies or read books, and really the, the stories that stand out to us are these stories of heroism. Right? There's something that, that speaks to the inner transcendence of the human person in those stories that say, you know, and, 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 you know, it gets us excited when we hear these stories because we relate to it in our, in our own little way or in our own big way. We relate to it and it inspires us because we all want to transcend ourselves and we all want to transcend our circumstances. Now, I would, you know, to what you said, I would say there's a phrase, you know, you, you know, God won't give you something that you that you can't handle. But oftentimes, but I also believe that God isn't up there sending us stuff. Life, right. life sends us stuff. Exactly. And exactly. it is how, and as you said, it's how to walk through that stuff with God. Hmm. And oftentimes we can feel abandoned. You know, uh, I'm not sure how much we want to get into faith here, but even just the figure of Jesus, whether you believe in him or not, on the cross, uh, why, God, why have you abandoned me? Right? We can all have those moments in life where we can feel abandoned by the higher power or by, and by God. Exactly. And we could we could spend a lot of time getting into the theological underpinnings of that. But just quickly, I think you and I would agree. And as you say, whether people believe with this or not, the idea that God came here in the person of Jesus and experienced what we experience uh, and that that sense of abandonment, that is uh, powerful. And, and I'm, I'm thinking now about you and what you do now. Um, there's the concept in uh, Tibetan uh, culture, I guess I would say, mm. of the Sherpa. You mm. know, this is not somebody who is going to carry you up the mountain, but this is somebody who's been there, who knows where the pitfalls are, who can guide you. You have to walk it yourself, but the Sherpa can be a helpful guide. Right. After what you have gone through, it sounds like to me you may be acting as a Sherpa for people these days. Does that sound accurate? That would, yes, that would sound accurate. And, mm. and, and in many ways, it's been, uh, as you can imagine, it's been hard for me in the marketing space to learn how to market my services and my life, my life experience, because it is very broad. And in mm. marketing, broad isn't good. It just creates confusion for people. But yes, a guide, a guide for people. And I was a guide for people many times in ministry, but then I had to also shift to that mode where I needed other guides for me as mm -hmm. I lost my way and to, to find my path again. So yes, I would, that would resonate with me. Uh, and I, I relate to that. I agree with you these days that in terms of marketing, you know, they keep telling you, pick your niche. <laughs> 
but there's I, there's just so much of life that doesn't fit a nice little box. And so people like you who can help to guide just through the challenges of life. Uh, let me, uh, I'm going to put up for those who are on with us on video, uh, a QR code that would lead to many links that Matthew has. Uh, and we'll put that, uh, that side up on the screen also. But for those of you who are on with us, um, just audio only, the link will be in the show notes. And uh, it's not easy to say the QR code I'm showing right now out loud, but you can get to most of what Matthew does at bracketalliance.com. That's B-R-A-C-K-E-T-T alliance.com that's right and uh, let me while we're talking about it, let's just go ahead and show a couple of those websites here let's see here is wait a minute there we are this is the one that shows all of those links i'm going to scroll down here a bit i mean we've got discovery calls relationship health checks energy leadership checkup uh, there's all kinds of useful stuff here. And then we also have. There's a Spotify channel there. Then there's the website. And if you go above, John, if you just go, then all those little red buttons, those will bring you to my different channels. Oh, wow. Look at all that. Yeah. LinkedIn and all that sort of thing. And right there at the top, we have the website, which uh, uh, there, there's all kinds of stuff on Matthew's website. <laughs> So um, what, if somebody wanted to start a conversation with you, I think that I see on the previous page that you had a discovery call on there. Yes. Yeah, they can find it there. They can find it on my website. And a good question that you might ask right now is, well, in a, you know, in a few words, what do I do? Uh, I, I would love to hear the answer to that. You know, well, well, one of the things, and, and folks, you don't know this, but I send to every guest, and one of the questions I ask is, what is your one-sentence positioning statement? And it can be a challenge for folks to put what they do into a meaningful one-sentence, you know, just to say, well, I'm a consultant. That doesn't tell anybody anything. Right. You know? I'll bet Matthew has done some thinking about that, where he is in his life right now. So, yes, right. what, what it, do you do? It has evolved, but this being on this program helped me to clarify, you know, where I'm at right now. So hmm. we're going to test it out and see what you think. I support those in positions of power, authority, and influence. To use this force in a healthy and life-giving manner, safeguarding their priorities in the process, resulting in leading better, loving better, and living better. I love that. I love that. <laughs> living better, leading better, and loving better. That gets all of life. Yes, that's right. And you know, and, and why this is important to me, so I would call myself a professional holistic leadership coach, consultant, and educator. Why is, you know, why authority, power, and influence? Because this has been and always will be part of the human experience, whether we like it or not. I know there's a lot of rejection in, in the younger generations nowadays against authority, against power, against, because it's been used in an unhealthy way. I mean, it's been abused in many ways, right? And yeah. so it's natural that that would happen. But the fact is, it's always going to be part of the human dynamic, you know, whether it's formal positions of authority or whether it's just other types of authority and power and influence. Right now, the big thing is to be, everyone wants to be an influencer. But how do we use all of that in life-giving ways? Because when it's, you know, as I say there, it's a force. 
And it, we want it as human beings. We want that to be a force used for good, a force that is healthy, a force that is life-giving. But when authority, power, and influence, and leadership is used in an unhealthy way or negative or dysfunctional or toxic manner, it's very destructive. Hmm. And when that happens in faith and family contexts, the destruction is a little bit deeper because it touches the deeper fibers of the human person. That makes a lot of sense. Right. It's it's going to be there one way or the other. Right. And so that's why I'm a very passionate about it. You know, people, whether whatever, they're power driven or people want positions of authority or people get promoted to positions of power and authority and influence because of their technical expertise or experience. But they, they're not always, and to no fault of their own, they're not always educated or trained in how to use that force for good and healthy ways. But, you know, and why do I, I use the word holistic because it's how I lead myself, how I lead in my intimate circles. Mm -hmm. so it could be relationships, how I lead professionally and how I lead in organizational context. There's a lot of principles that are the same, but context changes. So it's how do we apply these principles in these different contexts? Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, let's, uh, we've, we've looked at origin stories. Uh, what would you say is next for you on your journey? Like, for instance, uh, make a feature film, write a book, uh, right. <laughs> speak, speak more, you know, where, where are you? I definitely want to speak more. I'm trying to, I've been on a lot of podcasts. If you look at my spot, I have whatever, 60 different podcasts, mm -hmm. programs, and this will be added to that. And, and, but I do want more visibility and to be able to speak. I think I have a lot of value to offer through my life story, through my education and, and what I do. So I want to continue to serve people. And so I really am looking for more programs to be on radio shows, TV, speaking engagements, conferences, things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A book uh, will happen. And it's always been in the back of my mind. Uh, I just don't think I'm there yet. Yeah. yeah. But that will, that will happen. Uh, and I'm just launching a new, a new workshop, which is very interesting because it's on conflict management. But it's from the, which is a big thing for us as human beings. It's hard for us to deal with conflict. It's really, it's about tension, friction, and conflict and gossip mm. in the personal and professional life. It's something that's not often dealt with. Right? The whole, because really, if you think about it, there's an aspect of power, which is information. You know, whether when we have information, we have power. And we can have power over people. And gossip is part of that. How do we use information about others, whether it be accurate or inaccurate, in a healthy way, in a constructive way, and not in a destructive way? So that's, that's a very interesting workshop, which offers really tools and a plan and, you know, to get everyone on the same page. It's, it's really meant for leadership and then people below that. But it's meant for teams, not just for people from different organizations. I work with teams so that they can get on the same page of how they're going to deal with friction, how they're going to deal with tension, how they're going to deal with conflict, and how they're going to deal with information or gossip. Mm -hmm. We know we can look at our culture today and see a decreasing ability to deal with conflict. <laughs> yes. So, uh, you right. know. Uh, it, it's very tempting for us to just get in our silos and uh, cast stones at the other side without any attempt at understanding. So um, the, the let me just say something about that. That is easy. Yeah. That is the easiest, but it's not the most. And I, I really I just want to say we we can do much better as human beings. Oh, absolutely. We can absolutely. do much better.
So if somebody wanted to find out more, especially about the conflict um, uh, workshop, was that on your website or on the list of links? It's not there yet. It's because it's fresh, fresh. Wow. So, okay. So they can contact me. I, I do have a, I'll have to put something on my website very soon that will give them access to, to that, to the layout in general. Very good. But very they good. can contact me about that. Okay. And folks, all that contact information was on the, uh, the list of links. Uh, you know, Matthew's got all of his social media links up there. So we'll make sure that those links are in the show notes so that you can follow up on that. A brand new fresh. That's exciting stuff right there. Cause uh, that's, <laughs> that, that can truly make a difference, not only for individuals, but for our whole culture. Right. And the principles that we'll go through, you know, it, it's, we're in a professional space, but they apply to the, to, you know, they apply to your relationships. So a lot of things that you can bring home to your personal life and it's transformative. I mean, that's behind that whole idea of holistic, you know, you, right. you, you, every area affects every other area. So fantastic. Well, as we get ready to wrap up here, Matthew, one of my favorite ending questions. Oh boy. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm always, I'm a generalist. Now, I, you relate to that more than most people, but as a generalist, I'm always talking to people who are focused on something. There's something that you wish that I had asked that I didn't ask. Mm. Is, is there something that you wish that I had asked or probed into further or whatever that might be? And if so, what would your response to that have been? Oh, that's a good, you know what I, you've done, <laughs> I'm not just trying to get out of it. You, you've done a great job with the questions, but the things that we've talked about, the questions have been very, have challenging. They've been deep. And so I wasn't left with like, ah, I wish I would have talked about this or that. Um, I could say, well, maybe one thing I, in the holistic approach to leadership, I do do relationship work huh? with people, with couples that, that are invested in the relationship they want, but we all go through rough spots. So how to help them see each other better, hear each other better and love better. So that's, that's one other area that I, that I work in. Um, no, there's so many things we could have gone into as regards international experience, cultural experience, the military, okay. being a chaplain in the Navy, which, you know, working with Marines, which is a very special moment of a chapter of my life. I would imagine I, we could we could do a whole other uh, episode on that. Right. You know? uh, and that seems to always be the case on this show. Lives are full and there's just so much more we could go into. Uh, I think we probably need to have you come back at a later time. <laughs> okay. And let's dig into some of those things. Yes, but no pending questions. I think you've you followed so well and you just you led the conversation with wonderful questions. So I'm left with nothing else to say. Well, thank you, Matthew. I appreciate you being on with us this week. I'm going to put you in the green room for just a second so I can thank you properly in just a moment. But we'll tell people about what's coming up next week. So, again, thank you for being with us here on The Alignment Show. Thank you, Don. I'll be right back with you. And so, folks, uh, you can tell there's a whole lot more for us to have a conversation here with Matthew Brackett. I really do hope we can get him back on the show at some point. Coming up next week, we have yet another special episode. Now, you know that Jeff West has been on here uh, twice already, I think. But next week's going to be a little different because, yes, we're going to have Jeff on again, along with Bob Berg, who has also been a guest on the Alignment Show before. The two of them will be on together. We don't very often have two guests at the same time. 
but they've got a new book out and we're going to talk about the process of getting that together what brought them together the message of that book uh looking forward to that conversation on the alignment show next week in any case thank you for being here with us this week uh, I got to get my stuff lined up here. Ah, there it is. Okay. To where we can wrap up this week. We remind you to tune in every Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Catch the replays when you can. Uh, but in any case, share this out. Let other people know about it because it will make a difference in their lives. And it will help you to live your values and value your life. That's it for this week's episode of The Alignment Show. What has it inspired you to do in your own life? Whatever it is, take action now and take the first step. It will help you to talk with a friend about what you're thinking. Share confidencecultivators.com to spread the goodness. And remember to live your values and value your life. We will see you next week on The Alignment Show.